0: Welcome to the Two Journeys podcast. This is Sanctification Monday, and my name is Andy Davis. In this podcast, we seek to answer the question, what is spiritual maturity? We believe that spiritual maturity can be broken into four main sections, knowledge, faith, character, and action. Now today, we're going to begin a new section on action. We're going to zero in on the actions of the body, built on the foundation of what we've already learned in knowledge which is factual and experiential biblical information and spiritual information, and then faith, the eyesight of the soul, by which we see invisible spiritual realities, past, present, and future, and then character or heart conformed to Christ. Those internal, uh, that internal shaping and molding of us in the image of Christ then flows out inevitably into action. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. And so by this, shaping and molding of our minds and our hearts, we are ready to do the actions that God has commanded us to do. Now the works of the Christian life are the inevitable outflow of the conformity of our hearts to Christ, and it is on the basis of those works that we are going to be judged or evaluated on Judgment Day. We as Christians know that we are not justified by works. We are not forgiven of our sins by works. However. Again and again in the Bible, it reveals that Judgment Day is all about our works. The court is seated, the books are opened, and everyone is judged or evaluated based on what they had done as recorded in the books. So Jesus is going to gather all the nations before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and the separation is going to be on the basis of works. It says in Matthew chapter 12, that we'll have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word we've spoken for by our words we will be acquitted and by our words we will be condemned so jesus will have a perfect record of every word we've ever spoken and with his perfect ability to judge he will be able to evaluate us perfectly based on what we said what we have said now he also has access to our hearts our intentions our motives and everything will be part of that judgment day but our works are going to be vital. Now, in this podcast today, we're going to talk about habitual obedience. Works as habitual obedience. Now, let's begin by talking about habit. When We talk about habit. We talk about the trainability of the human mind and body. Anybody who's ever picked up an instrument and become proficient at it knows how important practice is. If you get really good, let's say, at piano, and you you play for years, and then the time comes for you to give uh, a concert or a recital, with a complex piece, maybe a a Chopin nocturne or something like that. And you have to work over certain passages that are very difficult again and again. You could see a concert pianist, maybe a woman who's extremely good at piano and she has to zero in on one 30 second uh, or 45 second long portion that has been given her trouble. And she'll play it 50, 75, 100 times until her fingers get it just right. Uh, Or again, you think about an athlete, somebody who uh, is very good at a sport, maybe a basketball player. And you could see an athlete maybe missed a key free throw or two during the game that cost his team the game. And he's in the gym for the next week practicing his free throws, doing the same motion again and again and again. Both the concert pianist and the athlete are banking on the trainability of our minds and of our bodies through habit, through habit. Now, we want to zero in today, uh, Sanctification Monday, on the issue of habits of holiness. Paul, the apostle, as he was talking about sanctification, the key three chapters in the Bible on sanctification are Romans 6, 7, and 8. In Romans 6, in verse 19, Paul said this, "...just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness." That's an incredibly important verse in sanctification. And it's really an amazing verse because Paul is actually lifting up some aspect of our previous life apart from Christ, the life that we lived before we were converted, our wicked life under the wrath of God. And he's actually lifting up a feature of that and using it positively. You know how uh, uh, English teachers have us read essays and we do something called compare and contrast. So in this case, he's actually comparing some aspect of our life in, in, uh, apart from Christ to that life that we're living now in the Spirit. And I think the thing that links the two is habit. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body as servants or slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so let me stop there, you used to be in the habit of sinning. And you developed your skills as a sinner you became very skillful at sinning there was a re- repeated habit of complaining or arguing or saying foul language Uh, acting in a certain way, and you did it again and again and again. These are habits of wickedness. Paul says, just as you used to do that, and you became even more wicked over and over. Now what I want you to do is to do the same thing, only on the positive side. I want you to present your body again and again to God and to righteousness, and as you more and more live in slavery to righteousness, you'll become sanctified. It's a matter of habit. And so Paul wants us to develop habits of holiness. So, we can train ourselves for godliness. 1 Timothy 4.7 says that. By constant use of spiritual resources, we can train ourselves to distinguish good from evil, Hebrews 5.14. God can train us for godliness through painful discipline for sin, Hebrews 12.11. Or, conversely, we can train ourselves to be experts at lust and greed, 2 Peter 2.14. So all four of those verses I just gave you use the same Greek word, gymnazo, from which we get gymnast, uh, which is translated to train. And you get the repeated uh, habitual actions that produce a certain outcome. So the tablets on which our habits are progressively engraved or from which they are progressively erased is the body. Zeroing in on the body. And in a future podcast, we're going to talk more about the Christian view of the body. But as we again and again do certain things, we develop our minds and our muscles to certain patterns. And Paul wants to use that for holiness. Now, in this this uh, podcast is zeroing in on habitual obedience. The other half of the equation here is the issue of obedience. And what what I want to say about obedience when it comes to sanctification is this. The entire pattern of godliness, of holiness that God is commending in the Bible is defined by his commands. God's commands define a highway of holiness that he wants us to travel and not to digress from it to the from the right, to the right, or to the left. So we are not to innovate holiness. We're not to innovate godliness to make it up as we go along. I've pictured it this way, God is not up on His heavenly throne saying to His spiritual children, Christians, I don't know, surprise me, do something I might like. And then you have to think as a child of God, what would God like? Like a, like a six-year-old on Father's Day or, or on Mother's Day thinking, well, maybe He would like a picture or maybe my mom would like it if I baked her some cookies, something like that. We have to kind of make it up. It's not that way at all. Actually what God wants from us is obedience. He wants us to obey His commands. Everything that God defines as godly and right and holy and good for us is defined in His law, in His commands. As the hymn, How Firm a Foundation put it, What more can God say than to you He has said? He has saturated our lives with the commands of God. Consequently, it's very, very plain that, that God wants us to obey Him to do what he said to do. First John makes this very clear through repeated statements. First John 2, 3-6, he says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Or again, 1 John 3.24, those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And again, 1 John 5.2-4, this is how we know uh, that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. 1 John 5.2-4. So for us, the sum of the matter is plain in everyday life is habitual obedience to the commands of God, as recorded in Scripture. We cannot at any given moment do any better than obey God's commands. We are servants, and we must do what He has told us to do. Now, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul makes it very plain how important obedience is, both at the very beginning of Romans and at the very end. In Romans 1.5, he says that through Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations, Romans 1.5. And then at the end of the book, God has chosen to reveal the gospel to bring about the obedience of faith. It was by Adam's disobedience that the world fell into bondage to sin to begin with, Romans 5.19. And this bondage to sin is characterized by consistent disobedience to the commands of God, by violating God's laws. It is actually impossible for the natural man to obey God, to submit to his law, according to Romans 8, 7. In fact, in the mystery of God's wisdom, God has in some manner consigned the entire human race to disobedience in order that he, he may have mercy on all of his chosen children, Romans 11:32. Conversely, it was by Christ's obedience to his Father that we are saved. Romans 5:19 and the greatest clearest outward evidence of saving faith is a lifestyle of obedience to God's laws. Paul speaks glowingly of the clear obedience of Romans as evidence of uh, the clear obedience of the Romans as evidence of their conversion. Everyone has heard about your obedience he said, so I'm full of joy over you. That's Romans 16:19. So, the keys to a lifestyle of obedience to God's commands are first of all the spiritual union we have with Christ by faith, and secondly, the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Without those two spiritual realities, our spiritual union with Christ and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, a lifestyle of habitual obedience would be impossible. But Romans 6 makes it clear to all of us as believers in Christ that our union with Christ in His death and resurrection makes it possible for us to walk in newness of life. Romans 8 clearly establishes the second aspect, the indwelling Holy Spirit. By the power of the Spirit, we will be able to walk in obedience to the commands of God. He orchestrates obedience in us by His sovereign dealing with us. So, as you begin a new week, as you think about the things that are upcoming to you this week, this is Sanctification Monday, and we know that God has gone ahead of you and we'll be using everything that you experience this week to sanctify you and to bring you more and more into conformity to Christ. Thank you for listening to this resource from TwoJourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build His kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at TwoJourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the Two Journeys of the Christian life